From Vikings to Tiger Kings to oceanic sinkings, we tell you what to watch and what to read during lockdown on this episode of The Barstool Historian. From New York, New York, and Geneva, Illinois, the Sodom and Gomorrah of modern times, the sister cities of sin, the epicenter of pathogens, at least in the case of New York, it's the Barstool Historian broadcasting from the Lion's Arms Tavern, our digital taproom, where the past is our playground. This is day two of uh, the Barstool Historian Coronathon, <laughs> where we are uh, keeping you all company during uh, this this lockdown that we're under. And uh, since a lot of us, especially me, um, are taking comfort in uh, movies, television, books, etc. during this, this difficult time, I thought it would be a good public service message to share some of our favorite <coughs> history-themed media. So, uh, but before I do that, I'm, I've got to introduce the two other fellows with me at the bar. With me on the New York end of the bar, as always, is Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, everyone. And over there on the Geneva, Illinois side of the bar is Ed. Hello, Ed. And a good welcome to you, sir. <laughs> well, um, so I have been, uh, I'll just jump right into it. Um, I have been reading this fantastic book, uh, that I'm nearly done with. So I'm going to recommend a book I haven't actually finished yet, but I think unless this book just totally falls apart at the end, and there are books that do that, but I don't think this is going to be one of them. Unless this book totally falls down at the end, I think this is going to be one of my favorite novels of all time. This is Game a- of Thrones? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things that fell apart at the end. Uh, no, this is a book called The Long Ships by Franz G. Bengtsson. Uh, it's a book written by a Swedish author in the 1940s uh, about Vikings. <laughs> and uh, it is um, set in the 10th century uh, during the time of uh, the conversion to Christianity throughout the Scandinavian kingdoms. And it is uh, incredibly exciting. It follows this uh, Viking named Red Orm. Who, uh, which roughly translates into the Red Serpent. And he is kidnapped by other Vikings as a young man, uh, kidnapped from his farm. He's the younger son uh, of an earl who... Uh, Don't you know, mean Jarl? A Jarl, thank you, a Jarl. Uh, and uh, doesn't have much in the way of, of prospects until he's kidnapped by these other Vikings and uh, joins with them on... Various uh, adventures of raiding and pillaging, etc., until they themselves are captured by uh, Moors from uh, Moorish Spain, and they spend several years as mercenaries in the army of the Caliph of Cordoba. And then from there, they go on into the rest of Europe and have all sorts of other adventures. They get involved in uh, civil wars in uh, Scandinavia while serving Harold Bluetooth, the uh, the namesake of our uh, wireless technology, and uh, it is I, I don't know how to describe this other than just a, a rollicking good yarn with uh, a really a, a, hum, a humane side to it <laughs> that you just wouldn't expect from a book about uh, uh, about Vikings who were just raiding and pillaging. Every one of the characters, nearly every single one of the characters, no matter how violent or bloodthirsty they are, manages to be sympathetic and humorous. And it's, you can really tell that this, this author, who I don't know much about other than the fact that you know, he, was, um, he was a scholar and translated uh, lots of, of the great works of English literature into Swedish, you can tell that this is a man who uh, loved uh, other people and was well loved by other people because uh, even even some of the most uh, grotesque characters 
are are people you kind of root for and, and like. And above all, I think it has a lot of relevance now because of just the, the its message of rolling with the punches in life. And the main character, it, several points in the book, makes points about how he he's grateful for the various bad things that have happened in his life because it made him who he who he is who he is today and you know and, and as his his luck waxes and wanes throughout the adventure he's always trying to make the best of every bad situation so uh i i there's a lot that i'm getting from this now uh as I'm reading it now under these circumstances uh, that, that I wasn't getting uh, a couple weeks ago uh, when I started reading it. But I highly recommend it. Again, it's The Long Ships by Franz G. Bengtsson, uh, available wherever fine books are sold and on Audible, which uh, and the Audible book uh, version of this, which I also have, is excellent. So I highly recommend it. John, I got some incredibly exciting news for you. <laughs> what is that? Are you, re- are, you, are you ready? Yeah. The Longships has been adapted into a full Technorama <laughs> yes. film. Yes. In 1964, Sydney it Poitier. was an, <laughs> an Anglo-Yugoslav <laughs> film <laughs> with Richard Widmark as Rolf and oh, Sidney no. as Ali Manouche. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't Look I can't who is wait. coming to dinner. <laughs> and well, and the, Oscar Homilica <laughs> as Croc. <laughs> <laughs> Edward Judd as Sven. Look who's this coming gonna, to pillage. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. No, they, they, it's that I'm aware of that movie. That movie, um, the only thing it has in common with the book, apparently, is the name, uh, is the title, and and the name of the main character. But apart from that, everything else is completely different from... Uh, what about the Vikings with Kirk Douglas? You ever see that? I have. That was a, that was a pretty... Pretty, That's an. I, awesome I love movie. that movie. I, I do too. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one that wow. starts with the with like the um, the raid on Lindisfarne. I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. all I know is, as a kid, I remember seeing that movie, and it the the scene where they set fire to the funeral ship. It, I don't know. It stayed with me, and I was transfixed by it. You know. I mean. Uh, Kirk Douglas always had this this um, presence that that translated this brooding presence that translates in all of his roles. But I don't know that scene where they launched the ship and and they set it aflame. It was just I was I was completely mesmerized as a kid. Were there any good were there any good Viking movies? Apart from that one, until they made the Vikings television series from a few years ago. Well, I mean, I mean, the Viking. I mean, hey, you know what? Tramis Fimmel was fantastic as Ragnar Lothbrok, but come on, I just looked and confirmed that that Ernest Borgnine played him in that movie, which. (laughs) Oh my God! (laughs) That's awesome. I will watch any historical epic that stars. Ornus Borgenine. Which oh, yeah. what movie was that? He, the Vikings. Oh, he was in <laughs> Ernest Borgenine was in The Vikings with Kirk Douglas yes. as well? He was Ragnar Lothbrook in The Vikings. No. Yes. yes. I don't remember that. I don't remember that well, either. I'm looking at Wikipedia and Wikipedia <clears throat> never lies. So Wow. <laughs> Too bad they couldn't have him play Ragnar um in in the Last Kingdom series. It's a really yeah, well, I mean, decrepit one. Yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's, I don't know, well, all right, I'll go into it just a little bit. I mean, it's unclear whether Ragnar Lothbrook actually existed or he's basically a, a composite. Like a composite of like two or three different Ragnars, essentially. Um, the Vikings, if you guys are, like the Viking TV series, I love and yeah, I, I still watch, and I'm going to miss. But, I mean, they conflate a lot of different things happening up to, like, 150 years apart into the narrative, which is fine because, yeah, it has to be exciting rather than, you know, just 
historically accurate to be a successful TV series on the History Channel. I think we've uh, found that out. <laughs> well, I hope you're not going to tell me that there was no Evar the Boneless. Oh, oh no, he was he was attested by multiple sources. <laughs> Ivar, oh yeah, exactly, carried on a shield. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, no, I mean the Icelandic. I mean, it's it's a little tough with Ragnar because. Um, uh, a lot of his life is these different sagas that kind of are like, well, he was from he was from Norway. No, wait, he was from Sweden. You know, he did this. No, he did that. And what Ivar actually had, you know, English sources like this insane, like boneless Viking chief is like pillaging our entire country. You know, someone needs to stop him. Uh, and uh, so and, and seems, now he's commemorated by a uh, yeah, uh, same with Bjorn Ironside an IKEA bookshelf. Um, <laughs> can I just yeah, there, so Ranker has the top like twenty Viking films, and I just read through the top ten because some of it's <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. Um, dude, Thirteenth so, Warrior that has to be yeah, number one. Oh God, Thirteenth <laughs> Warrior, Valhalla Rising, The Vikings. Okay, Kirk Douglas makes it number four. How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, that could be an adult film as well. Uh, Beowulf, <laughs> Thor, <laughs> Outlander, Pathfinder, and Thor again, The Dark World. The Long Ships, I'm sorry, is number 10. So, so I, The Long Ships does make it. I think you've, I, I think there's the fact that Pathfinder and the 13th Warrior are on there uh, is. Man, that just demonstrates how there are virtually no truly good Viking movies. John, Thirteenth <laughs> <laughs> Word was great. Wait, here's here's I a great title. I, I think I think all of our li- listeners should watch this and along with us, and then we can talk about it. Number twenty four is the saga of the Viking women and their voyage to waters of the great sea serpent. Uh, will you please send me the link because I think that is a pretty good watch along. I'm assuming so, so I'm assuming is... that is not originally made in English. <laughs> so so this is why I like the Thirteenth Warrior. Beside it being ridiculous, uh, Michael Crichton, I believe, uh, yeah. wrote it. But um, I, I just looked him up. Ahmed Ibn Fadlan, um, Antonio Banderas' character, was a real person. And a lot, a ton of what we know about Vikings are from him because he was a contemporary source. He was sent as basically an embassy from the uh, Caliphate in Baghdad to the Volga Bulgars like in the middle of Russia, and he noticed basically Swedish, the Rus, the Swedish um, Vikings come in, you know, with their slaves and their longships and everything. So the only attested uh, eyewitness to a Viking funeral where they do the whole thing and burn the longship and everything was his attestation. And since he was so careful, he was a poet, and everything, it is very, very detailed. And, I mean, I th- yeah, I think it's kind of brilliant. Like, well, what if he then went on some adventures with these crazy Vikings? But, yeah, no, he both was dis- completely disgusted and uh, kind of enamored by them. He's basically like, they're really tall, they're really hot, and they're <laughs> gross as shit. <laughs> they're, like, basically, they share one bowl of water and they, like hawk loogies into it and then pass it on and uh but yeah they love their hair and they brush it all the time it's just it's weird and it's he has some dialogue from vikings and it's it's really uh it's kind of crazy uh you know that they're um you know they're literally lighting this chief's um uh, longship on fire with him in it in his slave and viking turns to him is like you are you, you, you Muslims are stupid. You get eaten by worms. We go in flames to Valhalla or something along those lines. <laughs> so it was, it is an, in an account to read. It really, I, I had to read it uh, in a, a history class, and I highly recommend it. It's, it is interesting as hell. And again, 
we have our sagas uh, from uh, you know the Icelandic sources especially, but a lot of those written 200, 300 years, 150 years after. This guy wrote it as it happened in like the 800, 850, uh, something like that. So there you go. And 13th Warrior, again, I don't want to ruin the end, but uh, yeah, it was, Wait, uh, that was a great uh, movie. Can I ruin the end of, of the saga of Viking women and their voyage to the waters oh, of the great dude. sea serpent? Did, did they find some <laughs> sensual uh, activity? So, so, so wait, here, here is how the plot reads. In the Viking era, somewhere in the North Atlantic Sea, the Viking <laughs> women are awaiting the return of their Viking men from a hunting expedition, growing tired of the long wait the Viking women, <laughs> led by Desir and possibly Desire, as Viking knights are long and cold, set Viking sail man. in search of their Viking men. In the course of their journey, their ship is destroyed and a handful, in parentheses, of the best-looking ones, are washed <laughs> upon an island. There they find their Viking men, who are being kept prisoners in a large rock quarry by a primitive band of Viking-era barbarian warriors, dot, 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 as they escape, they're pursued by a sea monster, and when one of the Vikings, Vedric, tosses a sword at the sea monster, it instantly deflates it. That's I love that synopsis. Amazing. Did it make a sound like Tim, can we move from uh, the Vikings and the Norse over to the Irish? Yes, we can, John. (laughs) What I would like to do is I would like to shed light upon the truth (laughs) that there has been a fleecing of America and American moviegoers somewhat akin to what occurred... Some decades ago, when Caligula was passed <laughs> off as legitimate cinema. Oh, this come film, on. That was art. <laughs> this, this film, The Irishman, is nothing but a self-indulgent excuse for a bunch of old, washed-up actors to get together and have a cocktail. <laughs> it is absolutely awful. It's too long. Uh, Robert De Niro I- I- is... Actually, to say that he mails it in, I've never seen an actor of his caliber do what he did, which is you can actually tell that he's forgetting lines and they just go with it. It's that obvious. <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, Pacino's portrayal of Hoffa is cartoonish. It t- completely diminishes the, the, uh, the, the hard-as-nails genius of Jimmy Hoffa that actually the film Hoffa with Jack Nicholson actually does correctly. Uh, Also too long, but infinitely better. Uh, It is just a horrible waste of time. I recommend that you pass it over. It's, it is uh, an example of corporate uh, America, the corporate film industry, streaming cinema, campaigning for a film, and actually, as many, time, as many times as you say it, it becomes true, completely <laughs> turned people's minds off. And they went with what was handed to them, which is, this is a work of genius. And they discarded their own intellect and intuition and just went with what was handed to them. It is an awful film, uh, and I, I want to read you on IMDb uh, w- one of the reviews, which goes on and on, uh, just waxing uh, about this this great work of genius, oh, no. and, and de- de- <laughs> describes 
it describes uh, this opening (laughs) scene. It says, the opening shot glides through a retirement home, locating Frank, (laughs) sitting alone in a wheelchair. He's such a rock-like presence that, (laughs) seen from the back, he looks as if he could be dead. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it would have been better had he been dead. I assure you, his acting would have been better. It's a horrible (laughs) film. Uh, It's based on the book I Heard You Paint Houses, which is an excellent book. I might have talked about it on this podcast. It's written, actually edited by Charles Brandt about Frank the Irishman Sheeran, who was a veteran of World War II, the Italy campaigns. He was in Patton's Third Army. He was hardened by that and experienced post-traumatic stress and found his way in the structure of the Italian mafia. It it resembled the army, and it resembled um, a structured environment that he could relate to, uh, and, and that made him feel comfortable. And he actually did very well uh, and flourished in that environment and became, if you read the book and if you believe, it really, Charles Brandt edits this first party account, first person narrative by Frank Sheeran about his life. And he became a confidant of Hoffa and was at the forefront of all of the great uh, and infamous political events of the 60s, including the Kennedy assassination. And he really uh, unveils the underworld of the mob and how it, it was the pillar of the American economy from the 50s through the 60s. And he became a very powerful man, but he was a borderline sociopath if he made it up, he's a genius of fiction. If he didn't, his his ability to recall specific facts uh, is astounding. It reads. Yeah, I was going to say a lot. A lot of people are like, eh. <laughs> half of that is just you know braggadocio lies. Um, yeah, but but I, 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 he is so articulate, and he is he is so granular about the facts. That it, even though you have pessimism about it and skepticism about it, you can't help but tip your hat to the account. Uh, it's highly entertaining, and it really weaves together all of the great accounts of history. For those who are conspiracy theorists about the Kennedy assassination, it nicely weaves all of that together and answers the question of who killed Jimmy Hoffa and what happened to him. Uh, It really, uh, it's highly entertaining. I very much recommend it. I recommend it much more than The Irishman. It's really an abysmal failure. It's the one time when the Oscars got it right. People who have never seen a Scorsese film like uh, Mean Streets or even Goodfellas or even Casino have... Even Goodfellas. You yeah, mean, I mean Goodfellas. Goodfellas. <laughs> you know, look, it's a good film, but uh, Mean Streets. Uh, mean Streets, Streets is, is an ex- <laughs> is an excellent film, and um, so, so people who haven't seen those films, Taxi Driver or uh, Raging Bull, uh, they 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 name this as their favorite Scorsese. It's a tour de force. It punctuates his career. It's, it really is. He had a $100 million budget. It's completely self, self-indulgent. The book reads this like is, a scre- This the is the book. eyes wide shut of uh, <laughs> Scorsese? Yeah, it really. No, that, w- that film is actually, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's good, the eyes wide shut in the context of uh, Kubrick's work Porn. compared to what this does. <laughs> this book ends... His career, uh, like, you know, life stinks, bookends Mel Brooks's career. I mean, it's just terrible. I, so, I, um, I, I got the impression that, that this is sort of like the Irishman. I haven't seen it, but I got the impression this is sort of like Scorsese's um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Where <laughs> it, it, well, it kind <laughs> of is, kinda except is, yeah. let me just say that um, De Niro, famously, in, in a lot of these mob films, Goodfellas, 
he's he's got a physicality to him when he's beating people up and so forth. In The Irishman, <laughs> there's a scene where he's supposed to be young, and they have this de-aging technique that makes them look like, <laughs> you know, the, uh, yeah, Madame, the Madame, they, they, Madame Tussauds wax, wax Museum. Um, <laughs> and there's a scene where he beats someone up in his de-aged state, but obviously his elderly body can't do it. So when he's beating this guy up, he starts to almost convulse. Like he can't, he, he can't, he, his arm looks like a withered arm. It's like Bismarck beating up, you know, uh, be, beating someone up in the street. It's so bad. You, like you have to, Kaiser you, have, Wilhelm, right? you have to look at this scene and you're like, how did this make it through the editing room? It actually, I let people started laughing because I, I saw it in the theater. Oh no! And uh, p people were just like their mouths agape. Why? What is this? It's free on Netflix, dude. Oh, it's just terrible. <laughs> well, you know, it was like, eh, it's something to do. It's it, it would be fun to see on the big screen. There was all this hype, and um, no, I mean, it's just an abysmal failure. Really, really bad. Uh, so, I, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. So, for all your listeners who haven't seen it, you can uh, YouTube that one scene if you want to laugh your ass off because <laughs> it's I, it's incredible. Um, but, but he looks physically handicapped when he's doing it. It's like you, you cringe. Uh, it's so bad. But, I, I anyway. need to try to find that and add that video to the uh, the show notes. Um, so that's I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt. Question for you, Tim. Um, what is the meaning of I Heard You Paint Houses, the title? It, it, well, the meaning of it, it, it was a euphemistic phrase for someone who was a hitman, who, who killed people for money. And the paint houses comes from the effect of a shooting a person and their blood spattering across the wall. Um, and if you were, if you were, if you were re really good at it, uh, you followed up with the phrase, and I do my own carpentry too, which means oh, that you God. can get rid of the body without any trace, uh, which, nice. which, which he did. Uh, he was one of those guys and the, the book portrays him, uh, as a very stoic, sociopathic, almost emotionless, scary person who was robbed of his soul uh, by seeing the violence in World War II. And one of the interesting things about the book is they do get into that in detail. Uh, and he, his life kind of changed when Patton essentially gave the order to not take any prisoners. And he was forced to kill unarmed uh, Germans who were surrendering. And that caused him to objectify human life and he had to find a place when he came back where that made sense again. Uh, so it's a fascinating book from that perspective as well. Yeah, but, but he also, a lot of people say, well, he was also a liar as well. But well, uh, his, his war record is not. His war record is, is, is something that's corroborated um, and he was fluent in Italian uh, which made him endearing to the mafia because and he learned how to speak it uh in italy during the war <clears throat> so they're there the reason that i think it's compelling is that even if he were a liar it's woven with enough fact uh that at least i i invite you to read it and then you tell me uh what you think it's 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 done extremely well even if it's fiction uh, it's, yeah. Well, I'm it's, gonna uh, I'm gonna read it now because I I, I watched I I watched that I got through an hour and I was like okay all right Jen was bored I was bored like okay whatever <laughs> we're and I was like playing you know a game on my computer I'm like nothing is happening really <laughs> uh, but then I went back like a month later I'm like okay now I'm gonna watch this and then I watched like an hour and a half I'm like and I didn't have my computer I'm like this is just boring. <laughs> Nothing's happening yeah, yeah, in this boring, movie. Yeah, it's boring. It's too long. You know, who, the, is, who is excellent? And it goes on for like two actually, more hours. The acting that deserves recognition is, believe it or not, Joe Pesci, 
was nuanced. He was not the typical character that you see in the casinos, uh, uh, Goodfellas films. He's uh, a very measured, very intelligent mafia boss, and he does, he, he, he performs very well. I, w I was impressed. Boy, I'm a rambling Irish man. I've rambled the country over in search of an occupation like I've never done before. I formed a resolution and I thought it a very good plan. But to take a trip to America and show your happy land. Well, Ed, um, so you didn't like the Irishman either. Um, what can you recommend uh, from your side? Okay. Honestly, um, I was uh, prepared to come to this podcast uh, recommending uh, Dead Wake, Last Crossing of the Lusitania yep. from Eric Larson. It was excellent. It was, well, it was, it was horrifying at the end. I, I mean... It, w it was not like the Titanic. Um, it, there was not, like, icy waters. They were only, like, a mile and a half offshore when the submarine uh, sunk the Lusitania in 1915, um, sending 2,500 people into the drink. But the fact that only 500 people survived, I mean, the nightmare, cataclysm, like, all of it, everything, it's fantastic at portraying like how everything went wrong from that. And the fact that, shit, I mean, it is not that cold out, but, you know, 60-degree water. I mean, even if you have a life jacket put on right, and a lot of people didn't know how to put on their life jackets, a lot of people, and tragically a lot of kids, had a ton of clothes and stuff on. And uh, poorly put on life jackets, and would that would that submerge them? Even if you had to put on right, people were dying of basically the British Admiralty, because the the Germans had shown before that uh, one of their techniques in U-boat warfare was to sink a ship and wait for the rescue crew to come out in destroyers, and then sink another one. So, apparently, according to the book, and uh, I'm not going to gainsay uh, Eric Larson, I mean, Devil in the White City author, he does deep research, pretty much the Admiralty of uh, Britain had a double bonus on this because uh, a lot of Americans were dying, and they didn't have to risk any of their boats going out, and they probably cost the lives of probably more than a thousand people um some of the the scenes and a lot of people were going into the water like okay we're, we're going into the water and the difference uh, between that and how they died is ridiculous uh, i mean pregnant woman going having to oh god i hardly even want to say this uh, like reports of a pregnant woman having to give birth in the water. Oh, it just, yeah, exactly. Uh, reminds me of our, our, uh, the plague episode about, about that, but, uh, bad stuff. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, the, uh, biggest part was the, um, it listed and the torpedo hit just right, and it hit right after the captain um, basically had two thirds of the crew go down to um, prepare to, you know, luggage to go out. And it hit a place where they couldn't get back up. So one third of the crew were not on deck when the crew, the passengers are like okay how do we do these lifeboats and so like one third of the uh, crew is there oh, these are huge lifeboats you know 20 feet long they've learned from the titanic they had enough lifeboats except it's listing so on one half it's going over the deck and uh it's but it's put into place the other end it's over the water so people had to leap over the basically a 60 70 foot drop onto these lifeboats 
And uh, the first one to go down just like flipped right over. I mean, it was a shit show. Um, it's interesting. There's a lot of very, uh, you know, survivor testimonies. And, and in one case, uh, I, someone that didn't survive and his, his diary was recovered from it. I highly recommend it. But I'm really here to recommend uh, Tiger King on Netflix. If you're at home, <laughs> I, 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 just, I just started it. And just if started. you want, if you want to get your mind blown the hell out of this COVID crisis, Tiger King, because I, I mean, I can't. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. What is it? I, I actually have not. I'm, I'm not aware of this at all. John, it, it is. Oh, is this up. about the buckle, guy? Buckle up, it John. Is, it's crazy. This is, this is the guy who runs the the the, the zoo. Oh, dude, it is that, more, that more guy, so that. deeper than that. <laughs> the, he, he, no, but Joe Exotic, right? Because I heard yes, yes, I heard the podcast yes. so, about Joe so Exotic. Much, so much deeper than that, man. <laughs> oh so buckle boy. In. Uh, <laughs> I saw a meme like Netflix is like, hey, it's like Netflix. How are you guys doing? <laughs> America, no, pretty fucking bored. Netflix. Have you heard about people that own big cats? <laughs> America, no. Is it interesting? Netflix, buckle the f- up. <laughs> because, yeah, get ready, yeah, John. It's, it's very, very entertaining. I, I, I have to say strange. that. I, I have to say that. So, of those two, so those were both great recommendations, Ed. Um, Thank you very much. The, the, but I've had Dead Wake on my shelf for almost four years. And because it was given to me, and I, you know, I kind of thought like, well, it's sinking of the Just Lusitania. It and inject it into your brain, or yeah. you know, get it free from your library, like I did. Um, <laughs> but for none, uh, but to be honest, yeah. Uh, but to be honest, I was just I always kind of thought of the Lusitania as just sort of this event that that was just uh, relatively a small part of the old, you know, the whole big show that is World War One. Um, but after hearing that, um, I may wait until after the global pandemic to read about (laughs) 2000 people drowning, but, uh, the tiger King, I have to check that out. That one seems instantly gratifying. (laughs) Yes. So, 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 so. uh, having to wait for the pandemic to read (laughs) this book and Netflix reminds me of something I wanted to bring up. So when I was. Thinking about this podcast tonight, I went on Netflix to see what people were watching, and I don't know what is wrong with this country and with the world, but popular films in the top five are films like Outbreak. Yes. Who, mm-hmm. who wants to be entertained by that? Who, who is that person in the midst hey, of it, the zombie apocalypse wants to see that? I just don't Tim, get Tim, it. Do you, Tim, Tim, do you want to, do you want to get super woke? Because I saw that one of my friends sent me this, jokingly. He said, um, if you look at the top shows that Netflix has, number one is Pandemic, and it's about the uh, 1918 Spanish flu. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Finance, finance by Bill Gates and the uh, laboratory in Wuhan, financed by Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> they actually commented told me about that. Like, I mean, I don't get, get what, what, what I mean, you're, you're, quarantined, <laughs> you're, you're quarantined at home and you want to read about the pandemic or read about watch. Uh, a, a, a documentary about the pandemic that most closely resembles what's going on here and how horribly wrong it went when the government gave the wrong information. That's what you want to comfort yourself with in the midst of <laughs> a, a quarantine. It just makes yeah. no sense. But it's exactly all, what I would all, expect. It's exactly what I would expect. To- we don't always... You know, like self-defeating behavior is uh, the is the human condition. <laughs> That's all you need to do yeah, is look back to the the plague. I mean, obviously, yeah, we got big over that. Beaked right? masks are <laughs> the way to go, and I guarantee you, if yeah. everyone was wearing a big beaked mask, oh, I, I want in a one. long robe. I want one shit. totally. Like, I, I, it would not. Yeah. It was like this. This this plague would not be uh, the COVID nineteen 
thing of the past. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Big beak masks, where it's at. So and that's that's your third If you want to go to the Barstool Historian store, we are selling Big well, Beak masks. That's what the proprietor of the Lion's Arms. That's part of his protocol. It's the beaked masks, and they also uh, he also asks you to cough into a, a glass, and they determine which of the humors <laughs> is, is coming yeah. out, if it's black bile, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah, he has a very simple, he has a very simple test, too. So if, if he sprays you with uh, holy water and you don't <laughs> spit up black bile, bile. Yeah, yeah. You're, yes. you're clearly not possessed anymore. Which and, is uh, rare with us these days. <laughs> but, you know. Even if you have fulminating sores on your face, it's coming <laughs> from somewhere I, and else. And I do. And I do. <laughs> oh, uh, so, uh, so I know. We're, we're, Are you a witch, we're, John? <laughs> we'll have to throw John in um, in Long Island Sound and see if yeah. he uh, floats, and then we'll be able to tell. <laughs> well, speaking of fulminating sores on my face, fellas, um, <laughs> you've just reminded me that I, I there was one more recommendation I just wanted to sneak in under the wire here, um, and that is. Uh, the classic 1976 British serial, uh, the uh, the Great I Claudius, based oh. on the novel by by Robert Graves, which is also one of my favorite novels. Um, I think it also ties into uh, it connects to your statement about the digital de aging, Tim, in The Irishman, because. <laughs> um, I Claudius had kind of a had the opposite problem, which was some of the. So actually, no, it is the worst old age makeup that has ever been seen on screen, <laughs> where you know, it's like they decided to just for every year of, uh, depicted on screen as the characters age, they just added more and more Elmer's glue to their face. <laughs> oh yeah, Elmer's yeah. glue yeah. and fa- and and flour. Uh, so that and you can see like the sweat glistening through it yeah, on the face. Yeah, it's like yeah, 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 and and it gets harder for them to talk because their faces are just so rigid. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and sounds and every, like Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, <laughs> and every Sorry, one folks. of the, <laughs> every one of the yes. characters, every one of the characters seems to be transforming into uh, a character from Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. Um, but it's but apart from that, it's a great uh, series about uh, the Claudian, the Julio-Claudian emperors, told through the perspective of the stammering, club-footed uh, uh, Claudius, played by uh, uh, by Derek Jacobi. And my favorite character, of course, is uh, August. Oh well, actually, yeah, maybe he's my favorite. My second favorite character is. Um, is uh, Augustus played by Brian Blessed, who, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, is in that uh, Flash Gordon movie of the late and 70s. If I'm not mistaken, is um, <laughs> is is uh, Grandpa um, Grandpa Pig or Grandpa Sheep from Peppa Pig? And Brian Blessed is, is yes, at like age oh, like wow. 94. That's and weird. as only a man of having five daughters under the age of 12 can know, yes, <laughs> you know, Pepper Pig has is, is been in my life for a long time. And yes, well, um, I, I can figure it out pretty damn quick. The, 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 the reason I, I, I bothered to mention uh, Flash Gordon is just so that I could get Tim to sing the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Flash! <laughs> Saving the world from whatever terrorists, I don't know. Flash. Ah. Well, uh, I, I actually loved that movie as a kid. I went to see it in the theater with my dad and my brother. And I was like, this is the best film that's ever been made. Well, there's, there are all these um, clips on, on YouTube of Brian Blessed. Uh, screaming uh, <laughs> in his role as one of the hawk was a hawkman, one of the hawk. Yes, men. yes. <laughs> Gordon's alive. Ah, of the universe. 
What a build-up for my character, volcanic eruption. Yeah, they've been advertising it on one of these channels on cable. Oh. They, they flash to, like, one of his lines, and he, he says, Give me the remote control, as if that's futuristic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oh, oh God! Well, anyway, yeah, great. it's 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 Grampy Rabbit uh, uh, from Peppa Pig. Uh, I, I didn't want to keep you guys hanging. Brian Blessed, yeah, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. Brian, Brian Blessed is a world-renowned mountaineer, and uh, actually made it almost made it all the. <laughs> Brian Blessed made it nearly all the way to the top of Everest without oxygen, uh, or bringing additional oxygen. Um, oh. And if you can, he, and if you can, he find can't some, say his own name anymore, but he made it. <laughs> find some of his lectures uh, or his talks online on on YouTube, and and, and you will not uh, you will not regret it. Uh, anyway. Um, can, can I just say one quick thing? Because yeah. uh, I totally sure. forgot, and I'm I'm going to regret sure. this. Sure. Um, I need to go back to the Irishman for one moment and say that it is worth watching for two other reasons. Um, I'll, sim- I'll contradict myself. If you do happen to watch it, um, I'll have to tip my hand to Bo Deedle in case he's listening. He did a very good job. So, Bo, he actually did. But more importantly, my brother is in the film. What? Where? Joseph was an extra in in The Irishman. (laughs) He 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 actually uh, auditioned for it. He was kind of interested, thought maybe he could um, parlay that into a speaking role. And he almost did. But he wound up being in at least one scene. He's at the scene when they're honoring uh, Frank Sheeran uh, for his work in the union. And my brother was at a table with Harvey Keitel, and I think De Niro was there, and uh, or and and um, uh, maybe Joe Pesci. And he hung out with these guys all day, and he he talked to Keitel, and Keitel was trying to ad lib a line, and Joseph gave him a suggestion, and he used it, and he had a great time. And you can see him for a fleeting moment in mm-hmm. that in that in that. Uh, honoring Frank Sheeran scene, which is a pretty ornate, elaborate scene. But I have to I have to also say the film stars Joseph Salvatore DeMarco. It's a, a it's a, it's an acting tour de force for him. As well. <laughs> so so now we have uh, this movie joining another film called Enemies, a love story, which oh, uh, right. which features young uh, Timothy DeMarco. Um, oh, my God. Uh, you have to watch the widescreen version because uh, I, the first time I heard that you were in that film, Tim, uh, I saw the uh, the pan and scan version and I didn't see you. But when I saw it years later on, when it came out in DVD, there you were like you were buying something from a stand or buying an apple, if I remember correctly. Yes, I was. Yeah. I was. That was such a cool experience. It, 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 I spent the entire day. I met all of these stock extras that made a living out of it. They were all SAG (laughs) members. They sent me for uh, a special 1940s haircut, and I played a Hasidic Jewish boy, so I had a yarmulke and a a black suit on, and I carried a Bible, and I hung out with these guys all day. And it was set in the East Village in the 40s, uh, and... Or maybe earlier than that. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, um, and they would yell action, and you, they let you do whatever you wanted. So you'd you'd walk down the street, and it came alive with immigrants from the Lower East Side, and it was done really well. If you see the film, it's, it's a great it's, movie. It's it's quite believable. Ron Silver, Angelica Houston, Alan King. And I actually met Angelica Houston. I had a great moment with her because we were kind of hanging out on set. They were doing something uh, technical, and we were waiting for them to cut the scene again. They, they, they rolled the scene probably 10, 12 times. It was very elaborate. Uh, grocers on the street, vendors, 
the, the, the town bustling with life, and so they'd yell action, and it would just really, uh, you'd, you, it, the whole thing came alive. So I'm kind of hanging out, and there she was, and I'm with a friend of mine, and we said, let's go up to Angelica Houston and introduce ourselves. So <laughs> I was in the eighth grade, and uh, we went up to her, and we were kind of, we didn't know what to say. We were kind of starstruck. And for me, not necessarily. Do you, do you want to go not, out? <laughs> not, not for her, but as a kid who loved her father's uh, films and cowboy movies and so forth, it's like <laughs> if any family is royalty in yeah. uh, in Hollywood, it's the Houston's and you know the Barrymores. You know, those are the names that come to mind. So I went up to her and I said, we we, we paused and we're like, what are you going to say? And being a smartass, I said to her, uh, well, Miss Houston, you know, we wanted to introduce ourselves to you. We're, we're the stars of the film. And uh, <laughs> she said, well, it's a pleasure. She said, it's, it's good to know that I'm working with top talent and good people. <laughs> and so uh, that was my moment with Angelica Houston. And it was a great experience, a great day. When we went to see the film in the theater, we were, I was in a couple of scenes, but the one that made it <laughs> was this, this big, broad, uh, panoramic scene that I'm describing. And finally, I appear there on the corner of the screen buying a piece of fruit. And my mother says, there he is. There's Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a packed theater. So it was great. It was great. Well, so let's recommend that one, too. Enemies Love Story. Sure. Uh, Paul Mazursky movie. Uh, good, thing, starring, good thing you did that. Uh, starring, uh, because, uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to talk over oh, you, John, but go. I'm going to shame my brother here because he'll be listening to this. Uh, he was working as a Senate intern in Washington, D.C. when uh, someone, he was in Union Station there, someone came up to him, like, you have the perfect look. We want you to be in an extra in a scene we're, we're filming later today in um, a sequel to The Silence of the Lambs called Hannibal. Oh, no. He's like, no, 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 I, I, I have a job. I need to get to the Senate office. I believe when he got there, they booed him and they started throwing things at him. <laughs> it's like, you could have been in that? What? Like, go copy some crap, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So you made the wise decision, actually. <laughs> well, it was a yeah. fun experience, and if, if, if for any other reason to talk about it here today with our loyal followers. Yeah. <laughs> well, All five of you. I don't think we can top uh, a movie starring uh, young Timothy DeMarco, uh, the real <laughs> star of the movie. And I'm going to change the Wikipedia page right now to make that clear that <laughs> right above Angelica Houston, <laughs> Timothy DeMarco. <laughs> I don't think you've seen Tiger King yet. Like, <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for uh, another episode of the Barstool Historian, day two of Coronathon. We'll see how... Uh, Oh, well, we can keep up uh, the, uh, the streak. But um, anyway, I'm uh, John here in New York with Tim and Ed over there in Geneva, Illinois, hoping that all of you stay safe and stay sane. Bye-bye. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Bye-bye.